welcome to Rhetoric Orama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. Here are your hosts, Dr. David R. Dewberry and Dr. Tim, as seen on TV, McGee. I'm Dave. And I'm Tim. And today we continue our first season of Rhetoric Orama by discussing the wonderful world of rhetoric. In this episode, we continue our series on the Holy Trinity of Aristotelian Appeals. Today's topic is the power and the mystery of Logos, part two, the topoi. But first, let's hear some untranslated Latin or Greek to get us started. Paradigmaton de ede duo. Henmen gar esten paradigmatos ede ta legen pragmata progenomena. Hende ta autan poien. Good job, Tim. Thanks, like Dave. All right, so in part one, we discussed Aristotle's theory of Logos, how to think about arguments. And we talked about arguments, we talked about enthymemes, which are arguments without all the stated uh, uh, premises, right? So yeah. there might be something unstated. Now in part two, we're gonna discuss Aristotle's topoi, which there's 28 of them, right, Tim? Well, he's got 28 that he calls valid topoi. Valid. And, and 10. That are invalid. And they're no good, right? So we're just talking about the 28 or at least I think we've narrowed it down to a lean 20, right? I think we got it down to 20. Right. In today's fast-paced society, you got to cut to the chase, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that notion of them being valid topoi, valid here doesn't mean like logically valid. But for some reason, these 28 are okay and the next 10 aren't. Hey, that's okay with me, Tim. All right. What exactly is topoi, Tim? Dave, you should say, what are topoi? The singular is topos and the plural are topoi. I stand corrected. So topos means place. And so the topoi are commonplaces. In a strict Aristotelian sense, a kind of argument which might generate a specific passage in a text. We have then in Aristotle's rhetoric two kinds of topics, places where one may find materials for enthymemes and topoi as actual lines of argument. And that's how I've usually seen them, Tim. I see them as just ways to uh, thinking from the data to the conclusion, right? Those unstated premises, the rules which we can make our arguments. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I like to think of it as just a toolbox. And, you know, I'm sort of the stereotypical guy who just loves to go into a hardware store. I'm just nuts for tools. So the whole idea that he's got, you know, 28 tools in this box is very appealing Uh to me. If I saw a toolbox with 28 uh, tools in it, I think I would bolt. (laughs) All right. So let's get to these. So he has 28 Mm -hmm. valid ones. We're going to narrow it down to 20. Uh, Let's start. Number one. Number one. Antithesis. Restate your point in an opposite way. So I could say something like, for this is my unstated premise, uh, not eating a cheeseburger is good for you because eating a cheeseburger is bad for you. Right. So that's the idea of the argument, I should say. Yeah, and and that one seems to have some logical validity. That one seems to obey the rules of logic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Number two, grammatical forms. The use of a synonym or a similar word for a key term. A good cheeseburger isn't always good for you. Ah, good. So good, delicious versus healthy, right? Yeah. That's nice. And and now we're getting into something. This is not sort of logically valid, but is more kind of uh, entertaining wordplay. It's like the uh, paprika on a deviled egg. Exactly. It's useless, (laughs) but it looks nice, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Three, correlatives. How two things are related. If my doctor can eat a cheeseburger... I should be able to eat a cheeseburger. It stands to reason, right? And there's some logic to that, but how about this? 
if my doctor can eat a cheeseburger, I should be able to eat my doctor. That mm. too has some logic, but it's That's just a true. different kind of reason. Would the doctor come with ketchup and a slice <laughs> of pickle? Maybe. Maybe. All right. Number four, uh, the uh, uh, topoi is more or less. If you are capable of eating a cheeseburger, you are capable of eating a hamburger, which isn't as bad for you. Mm. Right? So mm -hmm. a little less cheese makes things a little more healthy. Yeah. But not as good. Yeah. All right. Number five. Are we going to skip five? Yeah, five's terrible. We, we I don't mean, like it. Did you hear what they did with number five? Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, it's just unspeakable. Yeah. The horrors, the horrors yeah. of this stuff. Uh, number six, attacking the accuser. You think I'm a bad person for eating cheeseburgers? You don't eat well either. Well, I mean, let he without sin cast the first cheeseburger. There you go. I believe that's how that says. Yep. I've read that somewhere. Number seven, from definition, focus on what the term means. So, for example, I could say, what does it mean to cheat on my diet? Uh, is cheating on my diet the same as cheating on my girlfriend or someone else? You know, my <laughs> wife hates that joke. <laughs> She's like, oh, she really is not good. Uh, so, uh, number eight. Number eight is polysemy, from the multiple meanings a word can have. So, like, uh, uh, the definition itself might have multiple meanings, right? Yeah. Uh, so, example, uh, bolt. This is off script, Tim. Bolt can mean put together, but it can also mean to run away. It can, indeed. Right? It's, or it can be the thing that Zeus throws out of the sky when you've been misbehaving. <laughs> That's true, right? But let's stick with our cheeseburger theme, I guess. All right. So, a cheeseburger is not very cheesy. All right. It's delicious. Yeah. And so, the polysemy there... You've got two meanings of cheese. One is the uh, sort of uh, fat. The heart-clogging substance yeah. that will kill us all. Exactly. And then the other one is the, the word cheesy means sort of B-grade, second-class, not first-rate, mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah, like most of our jokes. <laughs> right? Exactly. All right. So now we're on number nine. And oh, I we're think skipping we're that one. a hard one. pass on number nine. Absolutely. Not after what it said last week. Yeah. Number ten. Argue we're, from induction generalized from specific examples. So I could say the two times we ate at Big Edna's Burger World, we had the best burger. So Big Edna's always makes me say, mmm, that is a tasty burger. Indeed. And so there you've generalized from a pretty small set, mm -hmm. but the larger that you generalize, larger the set, uh, the, the sort of more legitimate your generalization might be. Mm -hmm. We would need to eat there what? Three times? Oh, I'd say ten. Ten? Works for me. We can get all uh, the uh, the stamps mm -hmm. clipped and, you know, the 11th burger is free. Number 11, precedent. To argue from previous decisions or from some authority. We've always gone to Brenda's Bigger, Better Burger. We should go again. The Fayetteville Free Weekly says that Brenda's is the best burger place. We should go there. We should definitely go there, Tim, but I have some bad news for you. It's closed. They closed it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's a terrible place. It was Plus, a real place. Fayette Let's have Bill's a moment of far. silence for Big Edna and her burger world. Okay, that's good. Number 12, Let's we're skipping skip right over that. Oh, 13, we can argue from consequences. Yeah. We shouldn't eat cheeseburgers because they'll attack our hearts. We should go get cheeseburgers because we did an awesome job, awesome job on that project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fourteen, arguing from contrasting opposites. If you get a cheeseburger, your heart will be mad, but your tummy will be glad. If you don't get a cheeseburger, your heart will be glad, but your tummy will be sad. That's clever. 
That's it is, cool. and it's a lot like the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that exactly seems so long the ago, same. like four years ago that we talked about that yeah. one. But uh, it has some similarity. The antithesis, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Number 15, argue from hypocrisy. Say that a person said one thing in public, but another in private. Big Edna is always praising her restaurant on how clean and shiny her grill is, but she really doesn't enforce cleaning standards. Yeah, that is not a shiny grill. And that is hypocritical. Very hypocritical. 16, argue from the consequences of analogy. I might ask a vegetarian why they decided to not eat meat, and they respond, when did you decide to eat meat? Oh, that's harsh. It is. Right, that's harsh. That's going after the person. 17, 18. Skip them both. Skip them both. Just like the, just like the side salad. Nope. <laughs> right past that right over. Number 19. We can argue from uh, purpose and cause. We can say that somebody uh, just because somebody did X and therefore X, that's the reason it exists. The toothpick helps hold together a tall burger. So toothpicks were invented to hold burgers together. That's not true. No, that's that's logically They were invented to keep club weak. sandwiches together, I believe. Yeah. Is that I, I thought they were invented to pick stuff out of your teeth. Oh. Well, that makes sense, you know. What with the what with the name and all. Yeah. 20? Let's skip it. Skip it. 21. We can argue from improbability, saying that truth is stranger than fiction and something that was thought to be impossible is actually possible. I once saw a man eat a quadruple cheeseburger. It's true. The restaurant even makes a massive octuple cheeseburger with three pounds of bacon. That's impossible. That's death-defying. That's, that's yeah. I, I, it was ridiculous when we made that one up. Yeah. Do you think you could eat that much cheeseburger, Tim? Uh, it would take me a long time. What are we talking, five, six minutes? Uh, no. Let's see. Um, a big cheeseburger, let's see, a quarter pounder is not all that big, right? So I could eat a quarter pounder quarter pounder in a few minutes now we're talking times that by three four twelve there's a lot more math involved in this yeah. than i thought there was going to be yeah i i just i didn't get in this business to do math <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't handle that much meat no i could not all right 22 contradictions point out the inaccuracies in your opponent's point you say it's my time to buy cheeseburgers but i've paid for the last three times you call yourself a cheeseburger aficionado. You only eat chap, cheap fast food burgers. Yeah, you got to get high quality. HQ burgers, right? Yeah. That's the only way to go. 23, we can refute false impressions because they're based on uh, bad data. So I could say, you said the Impossible Whopper is a bad idea, but you never even tried it. And it turns out I have tried it, and I think it's a good idea. So it is possible. So it is possible, it is and possible. you've refuted me. <laughs> bad data 24 let's skip it skip it 25 show that there is a better plan or argument so say we could say stacking multiple patties on a burger there may thereby making it like a tall burger which is impossible to eat we should make wider flatter burgers that make it easier to eat that, right. that sounds like a better plan to me. Right. I'm more of a, of a, a short, wide burger mm-hmm. than tall. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's, not how, that's not how man's supposed to live yeah. in this world. I don't mind a bit of burger spilling out you know, around mm-hmm. my face. Got a napkin, can deal mm-hmm. with it. But the whole idea that the whole bottom half of my head is covered in burger yeah. parts, If a burger creates a scenario where it's like a lunar eclipse <laughs> yeah. between yeah. you and the person you're sitting across from, that's a problem. Indeed. That's a problem. 
especially if it's like a first date and you're trying to make eye contact with the person oh, and yeah. the burger is getting in the way. You know, nothing says I love you more than a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's probably why that girlfriend joke didn't work out either. Did yeah. it? All right, 27. Argue from what could be a mistake. We could get our cheeseburgers and they were way overcooked. They must have made a mistake when cooking. No one would ever order a burger this well done. Mm. Yeah, you ever seen one of those ridiculous burgers where, uh, why would they even do that? It's just, why? Why? It clearly was a mistake. It, was, right? it had to be a mistake. Uh, penicillin mistake. Mm-hmm. Right? A happy mistake. Indeed. Unlike the undercooked burger that we got last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's terrible. Tim, last one, 28. Argue from the meaning of a name. When Tim shows up right on time to our burger lunch, Dave says, you sure are timely. That's the best putt I've ever heard in my entire life, and I've heard dozens. <laughs> That's a bad one. Dozens. All right, Tim. Yes. We went through that pretty quick. We did. But we gave a nice overview of what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like a sampler. A sampler. A sampler. It's, that, a, uh, a, it's a toolbox. It's a collection of starting places for argument. Mm-hmm. It's like walking through the tool aisle on uh, Black Friday. Yeah. Just seeing what's out there. All right. Wrap up. Let's take uh, our take-home points. So in our last episode, we discussed the ideas and theories behind logic, according to Aristotle. And he gave us some strategies and techniques. And those, uh, those 28 of those, the, the valid ones, we hit uh, the 20 of them, the 20 that we thought were most important. Mm-hmm. The eight others, oh, that's like a spoiler, you know, or not a spoiler. What is it? A, a, a clickbait. It's clickbait. <laughs> there right? you go. Go, go. go to your local library and find out what those other eight yeah. are. Uh, email us, and you'll get a prize. Yeah. You know what that prize is? What? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. So uh, to wrap up my take-home point, uh, when you're at a loss as what two arguments or what arguments you can make, you can use the Topoise, a nice little ha- uh, toolbox, open it up and say, hey, what can I do to make my point here? Indeed. And uh, there's some conjecture that the, there's a connection between the name Topos, meaning place, mm-hmm. and that memory technique that they used to use where mm-hmm. they would have the palace of memory. So you go from one place to another that you're familiar with, and mm-hmm. that's how you remember the things in a list. So it's quite possible that, you know, you've got 20 topoi that you would say, I could possibly use these. So if you've got mm-hmm. them in a, in a bunch in a memory somewhere, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I can't go for more or less, why don't I just start arguing opposites? And then you jump into yeah. that. Like number 24 is that specialty wrench that you'll never use ever in your entire life? It is. Right, something yeah. like that. Yeah. All right, Tim, mm-hmm. challenges. Challenges. I have a challenge for you. Okay, I'm what ready is, for the challenge. What would you come up as your 29th Topoi? Oh, 29th Topoi. Okay. Uh, it would be argument from, mm, <laughs> let's see. You know what mine would be? What would it be? I would argue from cheeseburgers. Argue from cheeseburgers. Yeah. So whenever you're in a debate, just say, let's go get a cheeseburger. All right. And that's it. That's, that's we agree to disagree, okay. but it's we agree to cheeseburger. Okay. How about that? I can buy that. We good? Yep, we're good. Now it's time for the bonus content. Will it be a fallacy, a historical anecdote, or rhetorical device? Let's have Dr. Tim spin the wheel. Tim, you ready? Yep. Looks like it's time for another historical tidbit. I'm going to reach back into the historical grab bag and explain to you why Demosthenes is and belongs in the Rhetoric Hall of Fame. Dave, what do we know about Demosthenes? Why was he uh, famous? I know his name has consonants and vowels in it. Okay, it's, it's a difficult name to say. He was the guy who was famous 
for going to the seashore, filling his mouth with pebbles, and practice giving speeches against the roaring surf. That's what I call dedication to delivery. But why was he so obsessed with delivery? Rumor has it he suffered from rhoticism, also known as the inability to make the sound of the letter R. Remember Elmer Fudd, who always referred to Bugs Bunny as a silly wabbit? So the other kids in Athens probably made fun of poor Demosthenes, so he bent over backwards to correct his speech impediment. But why was it so important for him to be an effective speaker? Because when he was seven, his father died and left Demosthenes quite a handsome fortune. However, his legal guardians mishandled his inheritance, and Demosthenes had to go to court to get his money. Apparently, Dad, a successful sword maker, had left Demosthenes about 11 million bucks in today's dollars, but by the time he got it from his guardians, he was left with a mere 400 grand. In addition to being robbed of most of his fortune, he also made some enemies by opposing the takeover of Greece by the Macedonians, Phil and his son Al the Great. Among the things which he was accused was being a bad man friend to his boyfriend, but then who hasn't been charged with that? Not me. Another sign of his dedication to rhetoric was that he would shave his head so that he wouldn't be able to shave half of his head so that he wouldn't be able to go out in public and would have nothing else to do but practice his speaking. So it was dedication to delivery that got Demosthenes in the Rhetoric Hall of Fame. It's beautiful, Tim. I think so. Now you know what I've learned about demon sneeze? <laughs> Is that we should shave our head and practice our speeches and rather than hanging out with the boys. Okay. How about but that? Just shave half of it. Just half of it. That's yep. fine. I've only got half anyway. Before we go get some cheeseburgers, let's take care of some business. Tim, who's sponsoring this episode? Today, we are sponsored by WeBePlacebos.com. Have you ever wished you could participate in clinical trials of new drugs, but you don't live close enough to a research facility to get invited? Not only do those trials offer valuable insights into chronic health issues, they also provide cash payments, and most importantly, half the participants receive placebos that are often just as effective as the medication under investigation. Now, for the first time ever, you too can receive prescription-strength placebos at generic drug prices without the usual red tape of clinical trials. Thanks to a direct line to the very same pharmaceutical manufacturers who produce the placebos used in government-approved trials, we now offer a wide variety of placebos, both ingestible and topical ointments, shipped directly to your home in discreet packaging. Plus, ours is the only program offering prescription-strength placebos with laser-drilled holes for faster inaction, plus ones created from an ingredient originally found in jellyfish. So, whether you suffer from real or imagined health problems, including impotence, incontinence, erectile dysfunction, bladder leakage, or restless leg syndrome, our certified offshore pharmaceutical manufacturer will ship real placebos direct to you on demand. We gladly accept cash, credit, check, credit card, PayPal, and Venmo. Simply go online to WeBePlacebos.com and begin taking charge of your own wellness. That's WeBePlacebos.com, the leader in under-the-counter prescription strength placebos. I'm David R. Dewberry, and that's Tim as seen on TV McGee. We're professors of communication at Ryder University, and this has been rhetoric Rama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. We'd like to thank our British voiceover t- artist, and we'd like to thank our musical director, Tom Santiago. Rhetoric Rama is recorded at Casto di Pado Studios. If you have any questions or are looking for more information, you can contact, contact us via our website, rhetoric.fun, or consult your local library. Now let's go get some cheeseburgers. Let's Tim. get cheeseburgers.